the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today. In between uh, snowstorms, we're having to sort of wedge in a show here quickly <laughs> before we get three to six more inches or possibly some ice. So thanks for hanging in there and uh, joining us. Hope you get snow tires on your car. Oh, uh, my. As well, how are things in the uh, homestead? Listen, my car, um, because we I have the luxury of working from home, yep. my car, uh, which is out in the driveway, we um, don't have a garage for it. It is encased in some sort of ice block. Yep. And I went out to look at it today and I thought, I think I'm just going to wait till spring. I, just, I think I'm just going to use my husband's car. I have to go out tonight. I've got Nash Wednesday service. I think I'm going to use his car and then I'm just going to wait for like sunnier, warmer days because right. well, it, what's happening is, is just absurd. No. So you haven't been in it probably for a few days. Maybe I haven't been. No, I haven't been in it since Sunday. Yeah. It's yeah, it's encased in a little thin layer of ice. There's no doubt about it's, that. It's actually very thick in some places. Oh, now you can wait. I think uh, sometime next week we're going to get like a temperatures above freezing for the first time in a couple of weeks. So okay, an extended period of time. You know, 38 or 40 would look like like the, the Caribbean to us at this point, would it not? <laughs> yes, it really would for heaven's yeah. sake. Hey, as we always do, let's get underway with today's show. We look at the news. Calf, give us the top four at four. All right, people, for Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. Yeah. Number one, more than twice as much snow as usual has dropped on the Pittsburgh region so far this year, but our situation is nothing compared to what is going on in Texas. Millions of homes in the Lone Star State are without power for a second straight day. After historically cold winter weather caused a failure of the state's electricity grid, triggering a public health emergency in the nation's second most populous state. The Wall Street Journal reports that all across Texas, temporary shelters have filled up and fears have risen that there could be an untold number of deaths from the historic cold. The grid operator said it continued to try to restart power plants hobbled by the weather, but it warned that full restoration could take days longer. At least 15 people have died nationwide as a result of the severe weather, according to the Associated Press. Number two, several members of Congress have faced criticism and even formal censures from their state and county Republican parties because they voted to support the impeachment of former President Donald Trump, including Senator Pat Toomey right here in Pennsylvania. USA Today reports that Washington County Republican Chair Dave Ball ripped into Toomey for justifying his vote to convict Trump on the charge of inciting the violent January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Quote, we did not send him there to vote his conscience. Ball said in an interview with CBS Pittsburgh's KDK TV, we did not send him there to do the right thing or whatever he said he was doing. We sent him there to represent us. 
York County, Pennsylvania Republicans voted to censure Toomey over the weekend, arguing that he is out of touch with the core beliefs of the people of Pennsylvania. And he also faces possible censure from the state's Republican Party, which is planning a meeting to discuss censure, also reported by the AP. Number three. Dozens of schoolboys and staff were kidnapped by gunmen in northwest Nigeria today, the latest in a string of high school school abductions that have roiled the northern states of Africa's most populous country. According to today's Wall Street Journal, the gunmen stormed the government science college around 2 a.m. and overwhelmed the school's security, killing one student before ordering students and staff to leave their hostels and gather, according to officials. Nigerian President Buhari, criticized for reacting slowly to previous abductions, dispatched the country's military chiefs to coordinate a rescue operation, his spokesman said. And number four, Rush Limbaugh has died. Fox News reports that Limbaugh's wife, Catherine, announced his death today on his radio show, Rush passing away at the age of 70 after a battle with lung cancer. Mr. Limbaugh learned he had lung cancer in January of 2020 and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by then-President Trump at the State of the Union address days later. First Lady Melania Trump then presented America's highest civilian honor to Limbaugh in an emotional moment on live TV. The Rush Limbaugh show that began 33 years ago in national syndication with only 56 radio stations grew to be the most listened to radio show in America, airing on more than 600 stations, according to the show's website. Up to 27 million people tuned in on a weekly basis. And that is your top four at four. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a really an earth-shattering day. I don't think that's an exaggeration. If you're a conservative radio listener... The death of Rush Limbaugh is gigantic. When you think about Rush and that single voice that was heard for 33 years nationally, some 600 stations coast to coast, and um, considering that we can lay a piece of that claim to Rush Limbaugh, because essentially this was Rush's beginning of it all, his um, signature phrases, excellence in broadcasting originated here. Uh, in the late 60s and early 70s when he worked for Wixie and KQV, but he was that disc jockey of the day. It's more akin to um, the disc jockey you might hear in the film, the Tom Hanks film, That Thing You Do, as opposed to the rushed Limbaugh that we all knew mm-hmm. for these many years. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember listening to uh, Rush for the very first time. I think it was in 1988. Um, so I think that was his first year of broadcast. And uh, I heard him on KDKA here in Pittsburgh area. And that was his first national broadcast. I hadn't heard him in the days that you're talking of, John. Um, but I, you could tell right away, I'd, list, I'd grown up listening to radio my whole life, sure. um, that you were hearing something different. He was, um, for anyone, anyone who is in radio broadcasting of any type, um, and anyone who's listened to the radio, he truly changed the medium there's just no other way to say it there right. he, he he was an unbelievable unbelievable talent yeah he was i mean you know um in reading about him and and i knew this that he you know like a lot of a lot of kids especially a lot of guys of that era you know you'd want to be in radio and you'd show up at the radio station looking for something to do and at the age of 16 rush showed up at his local station about 100 miles south of st louis and he became a helper and then later, of course, he was promoted to disc jockey and started to do other jobs, um, but just totally consumed by the, the craft and the art of what it is to be on the radio. Yep. Mike, we got a couple of pieces. Um, here's, here's Jeff Christie, 
right? This is Jeff Christie um, back in the Wixie KQV days. And it really, it's just doing a giveaway and sort of a live patter with Rush on air here in the city of Pittsburgh. Congratulate our name it and claim it winner, Jeff Rodman of Eastmont. Uh, Jeff wins copy going up the country, but a can heat in 1968 or 69. Take your pick. And also, Jeff, I will send you two six-packs of carefree sugarless gum. You can chew it all day. And that'll entitle you to 12 more entries for you in the Carefree Rock Concert Contest. Contest. That's a tongue twister. Keep listening to the Jeff Christie Stardust Jockey Show for complete details about this contest. Well, we've had two cash call winners today, folks. A grand total of $624.00. And, and 28 cents to give it away. Perry Marshall gave away 375 bucks and 14 cents this afternoon to Mrs. John Vuksik of Pittsburgh. And I had my first cash call winner of all time tonight. Mr. Frank Rope of Bloomfield claimed 249 dollars and 14 cents. It's a hefty amount of money all day. 624.28. New jackpot for tomorrow is 240 dollars and 14 cents. Got it down so you can remember it. Bob DeCarlo makes the next call tomorrow morning. 240 dollars and 14 cents. I mean, that's AM radio, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, That's Jeff Christie. That would be a sound that you hear at all over the station, I mean, all over the uh, country. You Mm -hmm. know, that sort of particular sound. Uh, He's came a long way. Ann Ann Coulter today said that the supernova of American conservatism is dead. Yeah. I mean, holy smokes. Uh, That's a long way from Wixie in McKeesport and KQV Studios in downtown Pittsburgh. Sure is. Well, our very best to uh, Russia's wife, Catherine, to all the people who loved him. He had an incredible loyal group of people who were part of his program staff for a really long time, really long time. And so um, I can't imagine the type of uh, difficulties that they're going through. So, you know, our sympathies go out to every person who loved Rush. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take a quick break. uh, Come back. When people talk about writing a book, I think a lot of people think, you know what, I think I'll write a children's book. That looks pretty easy to do. That looks easy. What kind of what? Can't be that hard, right? John Hendricks, New York Times best-selling illustrator and author, is up next. One hundred one point five WORD. You know, it's hard to imagine sinfulness getting worse, but the problems in our world today will only escalate during the Great Tribulation. This week on Through the Bible, we'll learn that the Antichrist will use our sins to bring mankind into total subjection to himself. But there will also be two witnesses opposing the forces of darkness. Sound interesting? Join us. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. For those of us who are healthy, it's hard to imagine what it's like to be chronically sick. If you're over 50, you may be fine today, but tomorrow, different story. Chronic illness can literally claim your financial world overnight. And suddenly you're tens of thousands in debt, mailbox overflowing with bills, notifications, warnings, and you think Obamacare will help you sort it out? Good luck getting someone even to talk to. This is Kathy Emmons, and my friends at Marley Financial have a better solution. It's their non-Obamacare pro-life health plan. It gives you the power of a national PPO instantaneously, savings of 30 to 60% off Obamacare for those over 50, no funding for abortion, and always someone to help you. Call 724-884-1496. One client recently in the hospital for 11 days for a bowel obstruction, the hospital billed him over $56,000. Marley Financial's non-Obamacare plan paid the entire claim and put $7,000 in his pocket. There's no other plan like it anywhere, and you can get it now. Call 724-884-1496 or visit MarleyFG.com. In 1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel. 
so that she could ride that barrow over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Miller Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. On the upcoming Deeper Faith Alaska cruise with Alistair Begg, you'll be surrounded by the fellowship of like-minded travelers and worship with Grammy Award-winning Laura Story and singer-songwriter Michael O'Brien. Share how Christ is deepening your faith in this once-in-a-lifetime teaching and travel experience. Join us for this unforgettable Alaska cruise coming in the summer of 2021 by calling 855-565-5519. Or log on to DeeperFaithCruise.com for all the details. Way back when Evil Knievel was a hero. And there was a time in America where Evil Knievel was like the coolest guy going. He'd get on his motorcycle and be on a ramp and then fly over a bunch of cars or buses And I had a good friend, Danny Shea, and Danny really wanted to love Evil Knievel and be like him. So one day he set up a ramp and tried on his bike, his his dirt bike, to try to fly over a couple of cars. Well, of course he crashed and he made a mess. He broke a leg. He was a mess. He's laying on the ground and he said, but evil makes it look so easy. And I think whenever you're blessed with a kid and you're lying in bed at night and you're reading your kid a bedtime story and you're going through, you know, your favorite popular books. You read these books and you think, you know what? That looks really easy mm-hmm. until you know it's not. John Hendricks is with us. John is a, an illustrator and author, New York Times bestselling of many books, including Shooting at the Stars, Miracle Man and the Faithful Spy which won the Society of Illustrators gold medal. He's also chair of the uh, Illustration and Visual Culture MFA program in the San Fox School of Design and Visual Arts in Washington University in St. Louis. His brand new book, which is just so beautiful, is called Go and Do Likewise. If you're on Facebook, you see our stream. I'm holding up the cover of the book so you get an idea what John's artwork looks like. But John, um, welcome to the show. Happy that you're with us to talk about what it is to be a, a children's author. Hey, thank you. Glad to join you guys today. Yeah, glad to glad to talk about storytelling and drawing and and uh, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, John. Let's start with the storytelling and the drawing. Um, in church, it seems as if you know. I grew up as a Protestant, um, and the uh, the place that art had in uh, my growing up was not uh, an expansive one when it when it came to church and theology. Let's put it that way. Uh huh. Yeah, unfortunately, um, for many Protestants, especially in America, um, art has not had a prime primary place in the act of worship. Um, and really, you can blame the reformers if we want to go back that far. I mean, <laughs> the the Catholic Church, you know, they they love their stained glass windows and their beautiful cathedrals, and the reformers saw corruption there, 
and unfortunately, you know, grouped artistic beauty in with corruption, which was not not great. I mean, I'm a I'm a member of a Presbyterian church, and I'm an elder, and I have the Westminster Confession as part of our creed, and I have to take exception to one part of that creed that says I will not make graven images uh, of the Lord. And you know, unfortunately, I've made a whole picture book, so I had to take an exception there. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the the problem I think with the modern church is often seeing art as a suspicious uh, part of maybe the the Christian experience. Yeah. So John, you're a very particular thread. I mean, obviously very very talented. Looking through uh, Go and Do Likewise, the parables and wisdom of Jesus, just beautiful images. Um, what is it like for you to be an author and an illustrator? I mean, you know, here at the station, you know, you don't hear advertisements and people say, well, I'm a Christian plumber or I'm a Christian mechanic. And you don't necessarily go by the monkey of, you know, a, a Christian uh, children's author, do you? No, no. I, I mean, I think of myself as an artist. Um, but, you know, it is a funny thing when you get into the church and you say you're an artist, people often ask, you know, well, how does that art do something good for God. And, you know, to the plumber analogy, we don't, we don't require that our plumbers write Jesus's name in the, in the U-bend, you know, in the shape of the pipes in order to show that they've done good work. Um, the same way, you know, as a, as an author, yeah, I make stories about Jesus. I also make stories about a, you know, there's a toad that likes to mow a very tiny Island is another book that I've done. So, you know, there's lots of ways you can, uh, you know, bless, I think the world with great, rich, interesting, you know, visually compelling stories. But yeah, I mean, the, just you know, retelling the Bible narratives uh, is also not a not a very easy task. I mean, the idea that I'm going to um, take some of Jesus's words and and uh, improve on them or or slightly tweak them so that they uh, seem different to a reader uh, that's that's very intimidating, and I, I don't take that lightly. Yeah. I appreciate that because it, it is a serious task that you have. It's a serious task that we all have as we try to represent Jesus well and accurately in whatever our work is. But, you know, art is so um, individual and the interpretation of it so personal um, that I'm sure that, you know, any criticism can be personal as well. So take us through um I don't know how you look at famous images of Jesus. You know, um, we've had a recurring uh, segment that we've brought up on our show, which is the fact that at church that John and I went to, we used to have these hand fans uh, because there's no air conditioning. And um, it was the Barry Gibb Jesus that was represented mm-hmm. on the hand fan. Mm-hmm. It was like, the, it mm-hmm. looked like he was, he was born and raised in Dayton. Right. And mm-hmm. nothing whatsoever to do with the historical life of Jesus on the earth. Um, so as an artist, how do you look at things like that? Yeah, I, I think you're probably referring to the bearded lady portrait of Jesus. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. I, I the bearded lady, sure. Okay. Well, I, I like the Barry Gibb reference. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Yeah, I, I think we've been, uh, especially in the American, the Western, the 20th century imagery of Jesus has been very local, localized in our, our own expression of that. And, and honestly, when you look around the world, that's natural. You know, when people depict Jesus in Africa or in the Byzantine world, they, they depicted Jesus to look like them. So I actually right. don't think that's a wrong impulse, but it's just, it can't be the only impulse. It can't be a substitution mm-hmm. of, of meaning there. So when I, when I went into making these books, I said, okay, I'm going to have some metaphorical play. You know, I'm, I'm going to take some liberties, uh, especially in Miracle Man, with, you know, what what the visual metaphors are going to be, but I'm not going to take liberties with the, the world itself. So I, I tried to set it in, in Israel and in that, in that particular place, that particular time, make Jesus a person that looked like the people that live there. 
because I think that then allows the, some of the other visual elements to kind of do their thing and um, have a little bit more fun there. But yeah, the, the depiction of uh, how, how you depict Christ, if you can even depict Christ at all, is, uh, is a fascinating question that artists have been wrestling with for, you know, 2,000 years. We're talking with John Hendricks. His brand new work is called Go and Do Likewise, The Parables and Wisdom of Jesus. So, John, what is it like for you as an artist? And as you're producing something like Go and Do Likewise, and there's Jesus, all many different parables that you've illustrated and, and as you said, you know, lightly tweaked um, the wording to fit into a, this the format. Um, who is your sounding board when you are putting things together? Do you, do you show it? Do you, you know, give it to your wife? Are there some good friends? Are there kids who look at it? What's that process like? Well, all, all of my books, whether it's my book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the graphic novel, the faithful spy, or I did a book about John Brown, the abolitionist that's for kids. Uh, it all starts with reading and research and, uh, you know, really investigating this work on my own. So I, for this, this book on parables, you know, I just, I read as much as I could about the parables to try to give me some John, context. Oh, 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 we've lost hello? John. Oh, there oh, he is. Good. He's back. You want to hear for just a sec, John. Yeah. So it begins on your own, you said. Hello. Sorry. You got me now? Well, yeah, we can hear you, John. Can you hear us? Oh, yeah, I got you. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of what I do is, is, is research-based first, and then I jump into doing my own draft. And, you know, I read the message by Eugene Peterson. I, I read a lot of different versions of parables. And then it really is, you know, it's, it's like, how do I, I almost treat it like you're reading a tall tale in a way. And I, I want to, maybe if you've heard the story before, remove some of that familiarity and give you a new way to see that story. And especially for a young audience, um, how do you contextualize it for them in a way that kind of makes sense to, to where, their brain is to what storytelling means to a young mind. Um, and yeah, I have some good pastor friends. People went to seminary. My, my kids read it and yeah, it's a process. Okay. All right. So how critical are you uh, when you look out at um, other artists work? I mean, do you, is, is art, you know, such a vast world that you feel like, you know, book illustration is its own subgenre, or are you a fan of, you know, uh, contemporary art? Are you, you know, fan of the Impressionists, the Renaissance? Like, well, how, how do you, how do you look at the huge field of art? Yeah, oh, such a good question. Well, I teach at a, a in an MFA program that's called, as you guys said, Illustration and Visual Culture. So I, I think of myself as a person who participates in visual culture, and and my expression of that is in illustration, you know, in in graphic novels and visual storytelling. Um, but I, I love, you know, it, all expressions of visual culture, whether that's in a gallery or uh, a magazine from the 20th century um, that now is less of a piece of art and more a piece of antiquity to some degree, right? There's mm-hmm. there's these sure. things that we can look across that a culture made over many years and say, all right, does this go in the box of illustration? Does this go in the box of gallery art? It's, it's almost irrelevant after a time. They're, they're all sort of representations of what was important to us as a society. So, yeah, you know, to, like tell, to tell the history of the 20th century, you're going to have to include Jackson Pollock, and you're also going to have to include Ralph McQuarrie, who did all the development work for Star Wars. Like, you, you cannot not tell mm. that part of our culture. So illustration is just part of a big mix of, of image making and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's healthy not to think of stuff in terms of, you know, high, high art and low art, but it's all expressions of a particular time and place. Right. Yeah. And so, John, mm-hmm. just w- 
the act of creation. Can you talk about that as you yourself are sitting at your drawing table, wherever that may be? And, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the images of Jesus in Go and Do Likewise. And I always like to look at images of Jesus. It, no matter, you know, where it comes from, the age or the style, it's always of interest to me. So as you draw, I mean, are there elements that you fall into where you go, this is a, a good and holy thing that I've created, uh, that I see this, it, it does something to me. Uh, is it almost like worship or is that too far? You know, it, it's funny. I, I draw in my sketchbook during church, during the sermons as a way to, one, pay attention and to also sort of do a visual act of worship. Uh, and that's, a, that's a, a thing that I personally enjoy and I get a lot out of in that sense. Um, but, you know, man, art making is hard and it's messy and you you just rarely sit down. <laughs> you you rarely sit down at the end of the day and they're like, "Wow, that's a masterpiece." I mean, most of the time. And I sure I sure know, killed it today. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's right. it's hard, and and you honestly have to persevere and trust that maybe you are doing something good because the day to day experience of it is often, uh, you know, very discouraging, and it's not living up to the thing you saw in your mind and. Um, so a, a lot, I think normalizing struggle is, is one thing I teach in my young artists in art school. And it's, it's not a, a, uh, an algorithm of like, some people are geniuses and it's just all fun and they know it. And then the rest of the people are bums. Uh, it's, it's really most people, you know, creating stuff is hard and it takes a long time and you have to really trust that this is a good use of your day, uh, in order to finish a project that, that is a year in the making. It just takes a lot of patience. That's really good. I like that. Normalizing struggle could also be a yeah. subtitle for the ride home with John and Kathy. I'll it's, tell you that. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really uh, <laughs> fans of your work. Really, I'll, I'll yeah, we really love it. Really good stuff. Go and yeah. do likewise. The parables and wisdom of Jesus. You know, if, if if you have children, even if you don't, it's really just beautiful to see the, the parables illustrated and told by John Hendricks. Listen, children's books are for all people, right? If we leave those behind when we're children, then we've really lost a treasure. So thank you so much for being here, John. Oh, glad to do it. Thanks. This is an important notice to all U.S. taxpayers. The IRS is giving away billions of dollars in tax savings through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative to aid delinquent taxpayers. This initiative was established for anyone facing financial hardship and unable to pay their back taxes. Qualifying and enrolling in this program will stop all collections, settle your delinquent tax problem, and even reduce what you owe by thousands of dollars. Call the hotline at People's Tax Relief to see if you qualify and get this free information by dialing 800-351-4596. If you have unfiled tax returns or cannot afford to pay your personal or business back taxes, you can now get the help you need. One simple phone call can resolve your tax problem and save you thousands of dollars. To see if you qualify and to get this important free information, call 800-351-4596. And you've all helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. And so now Mike Lindell, he wants to give back. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now, click on the new radio listener specials. Listen, MyPillow, 
It's a really good pillow. I love it. I use it every night. I sleep like a baby. You can get deep discounts on my pillow mattress toppers, robes, so much more. For example, they're bringing back the BOGO offer. Buy one, get one on Giza Dream Sheets right now. Buy one set, another one absolutely free. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money back guarantee. Go to mypillow.com, hit the new radio listener specials. Promo code is word. Call 800 391 0954. MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, 800-391-0954. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. It's the President's Day sale at Mattress Firm. Save up to $500 when you get a king bed for a queen price from brands like Sealy and Sleepies. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 during the President's Day sale at Mattress Firm. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Cloudy tonight with snow developing late, leading to slippery roads by morning, low 22. Snow tomorrow accumulating a total of 3 to 6 inches. Some sleet and freezing rain can mix in late in the day, especially south of the city, high 28. Cloudy and cold on Friday with snow at times, high 30. Saturday, cloudy and very cold, high 24. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. The pandemic has been hard on a lot of people. Kidding me? Check this out. A new study has found that people in Pennsylvania kept their spirits high in 2020. A study found that uh, all of us here in Pennsylvania drank an average total of 753 drinks each by the end of the year. And I'm not saying Coke or Pepsi or Mountain Dew. I'm saying an alcohol, 753 (gasps) drinks last year. This may not be surprising because how stressful 2020 was. What's surprising is this number is still somehow below the national average. Conducted and published by drugabuse.com, the study found that while those in the Keystone State drank roughly 14 alcoholic drinks per week, the entire United States of America's total was 17 drinks per week or 884 alcoholic drinks per year. Holy cow. There's only 365 days in the year, just in case you're forgetting. I wanted to bring you that. Us down. What? People in Alaska racked up a total of uh, 1,404 drinks, while those in Rhode Island had 1,261. New Hampshire, the lightweights in New Hampshire, 520 drinks. I mean, holy wow. smokes. Uh, that's, a, that's a really astounding number to me. That is an astounding number. Seriously, that's a lot of drinking. So That's a really, that is a sustained clip <clears throat> at which... That could become unhealthy fast. Yeah. Well, if you're drinking 14 drinks a week, 
seriously, that's very unhealthy. You know, that's, that's an alcoholic. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, well, yeah, it's just drinking a lot. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's a really shock. Okay. So what do you look back on something over the pandemic and you think, boy, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of sleeping. Yes. Yeah. I was, I got really good. Listen, Yeah. it would be like 945 and I'd go, yes, <laughs> I am thinking about going to bed here. I might push it to 1015, maybe 1030. Uh-huh. Just the other day though, like maybe a week or so ago, I stayed up shockingly by myself until 130. That's the first time I've done that probably in a year and a half. Wow. But I've gotten very, very, I enjoy it. I mean, look, especially nowadays. Oh, I know. I'm in there. Snug as a bug well, in a rug. Well, listen to this. So you know that I've always, you know, discussed on the air the fact that I'm a, I just come alive at night. You know, I can, I do a lot of my best I work used after, to. after 10 PM. Me well, too, listen yeah. to this, listen to this. So I, I was, I had a really busy day yesterday. I have a lot going on this week. And so I've just been really, you know, being very diligent about working hard yeah. during the day. So last night I finished dinner. It was 750. Okay. Nice. And I said to my husband, I think I'm going to bed. I got it. He was like, what? what? Who are you? Yeah. I said, listen, I'm really tired. I might not go to sleep. I'm just going to go up there and read. I'm just... And it was so stinking cold. Yeah. I thought, you know what? I, it's like Mon or Kerchief and I and my cap are just settled down for a long winter's nope. nap. I was like, I am done. Bed is a very safe is, space. That was very weird to me, but you I know, did I, it. I love it, really. Uh give them the alternative. I mean, I'm happy to go to bed early and, you know, but then the weird thing is if you go to bed super early, then you wake up. I do. I wake up like, you know, at three 30 and go, okay, what's going on. Um, and then I'm up for a while and then I'll go back to sleep again. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is also a new sensation, but during the pandemic, I think you have to give people a lot of space yep, and a lot I of grace because everybody's coming at this in a different and everybody's way. Everybody's handling it in a different yeah, way. It's, yeah. it's, you know, yep. it's just a weird, weird time. So, God be with you. Peace be with you as you travel yep. through these weird. I, and I, seriously, that, that number of drinks, 14 drinks each, that's a lot of alcohol. That's not good for anybody, anybody. Yeah. Okay, right. we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Christian patriotism, not today in the 21st century, but we're going to look at it through the lens of the Civil War. Dr. Thomas Kidd, Distinguished Professor of History at Baylor University, gives us the perspective of the long view next on The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. The devil knows that the family is the basic unit of society, and so if he wants society to come apart, where would he start? Obviously, he would start with the family. So we're talking about the family. It takes a family to raise a child, and it takes faith to make a family. Hear Adrian Rogers' series, It Takes a Family, this month. On Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Some home repairs simply can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Don't put it off. 
Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, or composite. To show their appreciation to word listeners, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this station. Get 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Call Protect My Car for details. These days, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you own a car, truck, or SUV made from $19.99 or higher, you could stop paying for car repairs. That's right. You might not have to pay a penny to have it repaired. Just dial star star 1144 on your mobile phone now to see if you qualify. You must have an automobile made from $19.99 or higher and all repairs for your engine, transmission, and money. Much more can become a thing of the past. Dial star star 1144 on your mobile phone today and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. That's right, total protection for your car and no more repair bills. Plus, free roadside assistance, free towing, free car rental, and free oil changes. Just dial star star 1144 on your mobile phone now to see if your car qualifies. That's star star 1144. Never pay for car repairs again. Just dial star star 1144 on your mobile phone now. Dial star star 114. Are you an Allegheny County senior feeling lonely or isolated due to the pandemic? The Allegheny County Senior Companion Program can help. Senior companions are volunteers 55 and over who will call you once or twice a week to check on you and see how you're doing. Those with computers or devices such as smartphones can do video chatting if desired. There is no cost to you for this service and applying is easy. Please call 412-350-350. 4061 to apply today. We will never fully understand what we've asked of our military service members or their families, asking them to put themselves in harm's way, to endure it all. But we do understand that it's our turn, our duty, to keep them secure for the rest of their lives. Wounded Warrior Project long-term support programs help our most severely ill or injured veterans live independently, at no cost for life, so that they might stand at ease. Join us at findwwp.org. There's been quite a lot of talk about Christian patriotism in the last six weeks or so. And, and when you think about it, it goes back to the founding of this country. And Thomas Kidd is with us. Thomas Kidd's been a regular guest on our show for years. Tom is professor of history at Baylor University, author of, among others, Who as an Evangelical, A History of a Movement in Crisis, here today to talk to us about Christian patriotism in the Civil War. Dr. Kidd, welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, it is terrific to see you. For those of you who are, are listening on radio right now, um, you're probably listening on 101.5 Word FM or 96.5 FM here in Pittsburgh, um, also in 7.30 AM WPIT. But did you know you can watch the show on Facebook Live? Log on to Facebook, go to The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You'll see John and I and Thomas Kidd as our first time being with Tom on um, on Zoom, and we're super excited about it, Tom. And I'll tell you why, because we, we valued you and your contributions for so long, um, because you're 
reasonable. <laughs> and there's so much that's going on hey. in our national discourse that's crazy town that, yes. you know, we, we always come back to you and we say, oh, please give us the perspective of history, the long view, so that we can kind of like get our bearings and not freak out about things. So, okay, Christian patriotism, as John said, you know, people are like Christian nationalism. Half, half the crowd says it's all bad. There's, we, we can't combine, you know, any type of faith tradition in a country. And then there's the other side that says, what, that's the only way that you can approach it. So where do you come down? What does history tell us? Well, yeah, that's right. And especially in the late uh, days of the Trump presidency, this seemed to become a really pressing issue about yes. the idea that the Trump's, uh, you know, Christian, quote, evangelical followers are uh, Christian nationalists and that, that, you know, that that's a big part of the problem. Um, but it, like you said, I do think that there's a, a way that Christians uh, can have an appropriate kind of patriotism uh, without shading into something that's more dangerous and, and even potentially idolatrous, which, I, you know, for shorthand, we can call Christian nationalism. Uh, and, and, and you referenced this piece that I wrote about uh, the Civil War. And in that piece, I, I found a, a, a speech slash sermon that was actually called Christian patriotism, believe it or not, huh. uh, from from the middle of the Civil War that I thought was a really good example of how Christian patriotism can, uh, you know, can take a positive role in history, in this case, defending the, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. I see. So then, Thomas, it is a good thing. I mean, to love this country. This is a wonderful country. And especially, you know, when you travel or when you read, you see how wonderful we are. And so it is right to fall in love with America. It is. I mean, it, it, for obviously for Christians, it can't be our primary commitment. Uh, it's, it's always a, a secondary commitment for us to the kingdom of God. Uh, and so, you know, I would say that you, know, I, I have a lot more in common with eternally with a brother or sister in Nigeria or in China or something like that than I do with an American patriot uh, next door who's not born again. Sure. Uh, so, but that, you know, that's my my Christian commitment, which which should be uh, uppermost. But we have all kinds of secondary commitments that that are good commitments. Obviously, family is one of those. Uh, you, you know, to our our, our city, our, 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 you know, that, that we live in and then our, our nation. And um, I, I think it's almost, I, I mean, we just naturally tend to love the place that we're from, yeah. uh, you know, warts and all. Uh, and that, you know, that's the place we grew up, but it's also the, the nation that, that we're part of. And I would say, you know, especially with the United States tradition of religious liberty and some, you know, some really good things that came out of, you know, all men are created equal and, and those, those sorts of things that, that there are a lot of things to love about America in spite of, uh, you know, the fact that it has obvious faults. Right. Dr. Thomas Kidd is with us, professor of history of Baylor University, author of several books, among others, who is an evangelical history of a movement in crisis. All right, Tom. So I think you hit on something important that John and I've talked about a lot on the air over the last year which is the fact that um, if we're a believer in Jesus, our first loyalty is to our family. And our family is anyone who calls on the name of Jesus from any country, from any culture, even if you want to, you know, go like meta from any time period, right? Is that we're all, um, we're all the body of believers together. And so our, um, our greatest companion shouldn't be someone from a similar political party. Um, it needs to be someone who's a believer in Jesus. And we have to find a way to get get along. Um, at the same time, there's nothing wrong with loving your country. Um, there's nothing wrong 
wrong with thinking that it's a, it's an absolutely beautiful experiment that's never been done perfectly, but what experiment ever has been done perfectly? So where's the line, Tom, in your mind between where, where does Christian patriotism, where is it good? And then where does it go wrong? Right. Well, I, I mean, I think that we do have to concede that, it, uh, you know, our Christian patriotism is like the Christian patriotism of someone who is from, you know, Nigeria and, you know, loves their country or is from France, loves their country, Argentina, and loves their country. And so I think when it starts to become uh, exclusive or a triumphalist or some, something like that, and there's probably a, a particular temptation for Americans because of Americans America's inordinate military power uh, in the 20th century, that there, there's a, a particular temptation to see America as, as you, you know, exclusively the best mm-hmm. country uh, ever, and everybody else can, you know, sort of forget it. Uh, um, and, and, and I think that that probably, it can play out in some really specific ways in our congregations. Um, I don't think, you know, we, I actually uh, have blogged about this recently. Even in the middle of central Texas, we have 34 nations represented in my congregation. Wow. And, and I, 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 don't, I don't think that, you know, any of those international folks mind us acknowledging the 4th of July or, you know, praying for our leaders or anything like that. But if they, if we start kind of implying like, you, you know, to be Christian is to be an American. I will lose them, right? And 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 that's that's a that's an important moment where if this remains comprehensible to our international brothers and sisters, then I, I think it's it's fine. And and we if we went to their country, we would probably hear you know on their National Independence sure. Day or something like that the same kind of sentiment. But but when we make our country and our faith, almost the same thing. That's, that's no good. All right. Thomas Kidd is with us from Baylor University. We're talking about Christian patriotism. So Tom, you've written books about uh, major figures here in the United States. Look at someone uh, you've written extensively like Benjamin Franklin. How would he look? I mean, do you have any idea of how he would look at Christian patriotism? Certainly he loved America, uh, certainly a man of faith. How did that work in his life? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, for most of Ben Franklin's life, his patriotism was British patriotism. Mm, <laughs> so, right. I, I mean, you, you know, th- this these things change over time. And it really until 1775, 76, there really wasn't any kind of attachment to something called America. Uh, but the founding fathers, of course, you know, brought forth, you know, a new nation, as Abraham Lincoln said, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And so, it, that, even that, I think, can help you to remember that think, these things change. Nations are ephemeral by by definition in a way that the kingdom of God is not. But I think Franklin would have said, you know, Franklin considered himself a kind of Christian, and he would say, you know, public service is, you, you know, obligated for uh, uh, obligatory for Christians. And so he, they would say, well, why did I found the first hospital in America and things like that? He he would probably be comfortable with the phrase Christian patriotism to describe that. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Thomas, you know, with all the people that you said that you worship with who are from different countries, um, I also go to a church that has, you know, a great international reach. You know, Pittsburgh is a is a hub for technology and it's a hub for hospitals. And so there's a lot of people who are coming to do uh, undergrad or postdoc work, that sort of thing. So you know, I've had a privilege to meet a bunch of different people from different places. Um, and I don't know how it I guess what I'm asking is how can we invest in our own country um, 
in our minds, in our energies, um, and also show a type of generosity toward other people's countries. I mean, I'm not looking for like, you know, imagine or like, you know, some like new world order that everybody's equal in every country is exactly as good as anyone else, because I don't think every form of government is as good as every other one. But how do we show respect to one another? I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that you can, I mean, to just put it in real practical terms, I mean, I think you can uh, celebrate the, the international without, you know, denigrating the national, you know, I mean, and, and I think we probably err on the side of doing too much with the national in especially kind of, you know, white majority evangelical churches. So, uh, for instance, one of the things, one thing that's changed in my church in recent years is that we have bought uh, national flags of all the the nations that are represented. Now the American flag is still up, and, and in yeah. fact, that, you know, most Sundays has a pretty prominent position. But we also have all the other nations' flags that are represented to re- just to symbolically remind us that we're an international church. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and, and and I think that that can hold some of the excesses yeah. of potential nationalism in check when you remember, hey. My brother from Nigeria is right here, you know, so i gotta, I got to keep that in mind. Yeah. And so, Thomas, of course, with all things, there's an ebb and flow. So, you know, people um, who would call themselves uh, conservatives, conservatives, maybe a little leery of what is coming our way as far as left-leaning politics. But then again, you know, things will come back another way. So, I mean, America will continue to be America. We've shown that. We've shown our medal here these last many years. Um, even though it's a good subject to bring up, I don't feel as though personally there should be a lot of fear that somehow we're about to lose our lose our birthright as Americans that this will be snatched away from us. No, and and uh, right, I th- we shouldn't operate in fear. And the most important thing is if we have our the freedom to worship the Lord, Amen. which has been so part of so uh, so part of the American tradition. That's what we've got to preserve. Yeah, yeah. And we have to learn how to extend that to other people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this it, it's it's a difficult thing. Um, it's hard to live in a democracy. We have a friend, uh, Jerry Boyer, Tom, who always says, you know, you're mature enough to live in a democracy when you're willing to fight for the right of the other person to say the thing that you disagree with. Then you know you're grown up enough to have it. That's right. Anyway, Dr. Thomas Kidd, it's been a real pleasure. Really Thanks, good Tom. to see you on Zoom here, Tom. Yeah, good to see you guys. That's a ton of fun. Uh, Tom's written a whole bunch of books that are terrific. Uh, Who is an Evangelical? The History of a Movement in Crisis. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money. Whether it's just for you or for an entire family, MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is 
Very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. My eight-year-old niece and I have one very important thing in common, a deep, passionate love for cheesecake. I remember stopping over once with the famous Cheesecake Factory cheesecake. She attacked that thing exactly like she should. Mid-piece, she looks up, and she's got it everywhere. On her nose, her chin, and literally a smear across her elbow. As I was thinking about that moment this week, I thought, that's how I want our Faith and Family Mortgage team to be. When Word FM listeners choose to call us, it really is a gift for us to get to work for you. And whether we're talking refinance, cash-out refinance, or new home purchase, it's a really big deal. So we better be attacking your situation with the fervor of an eight-year-old with her cheesecake. We'll do the work. You just sit back and relax. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Over 10 years ago, we realized how important saving family memories was, and we wanted to help. Legacy Box started from that passion and has now helped over 850,000 families digitally preserve their film reels, VHS tapes, and photos. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. What started with the two of us in a garage is now over 200 trained professionals. Legacy Box is a safe and secure way to put all your favorite family memories on an easy-to-view digital format like a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. We ship you a sturdy Legacy Box to fill with all your outdated media, safety barcodes to track your items throughout the process, and a prepaid mailing label. Legacy Box has been featured by Good Morning America and The Today Show. Not bad for two kids in a garage. That's true, Nick. And here's the best part. We always wanted to make it affordable to preserve your entire collection. So we are offering 40% off. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to take advantage of this exclusive offer. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40%. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. You know, so many you know, young guys and women are growing up without a father figure. That's just what it is. It's modern-day America. Well... One guy who grew up that way, his dad left him, him and his brother, whenever they were teenagers. His mom was an alcoholic. Well, recently he started a YouTube channel called Dad, How Do I? And on it, this guy uh, has produced any sort of number tutorials, um, just basic things. How to tie a tie. Hmm. How to change a flat. Uh, Rob Kenny is the guy behind it. He says, um, I do my best to provide useful, practical content to many basic tasks that everybody should know how to do. So um, he talks about not knowing the basics and being embarrassed at showing up at an event where everybody was dressed well and he didn't have, he didn't know how to do a tie. Right. He just embarrassed the heck out of him. So he sees this. Oh, I Many love that. Just, That's um, so good. I mean, it's not good that there are kids without fathers, obviously. But how good is it that he sees a, you know, a, a vacancy in in people's learning and decides to try to step in? Yep. I mean, there's uh, almost uh, two million viewers, two million subscribers, I should say. Some of his videos have been shown, looked at five million times, <gasps> and you know, a lot of single mothers are chiming in. You know, they leave comments and they say, seeing what you do brings me to tears because I can't do this for my son. Right. So I'm so grateful that there's a, a how to guide for the basic things of life. Right. Isn't that cool? 
Good for him. What's his name, John? Uh, his name is, I'm sorry, I got a little uh, locked here. Uh, uh, Kenny, Mike Kenny. Mike Kenny. Yeah. Dad, How Do I Do It? A YouTube yep. channel that tells kids how to do things. Exactly. That's awesome. Yep. Hey, listen, we would be remiss if we did not mention the passing uh, yesterday of uh, contemporary Christian music artist Carmen. Carmen passed away at the age of 65. So young. Yeah, I've been battling some illnesses. On, and I'm telling you, one of a kind. Yes. I mean, what Carmen brought to the stage in concerts, I saw him several times uh, so last time down at, uh, at uh, Civic Arena. I mean, the play Fox, it, it was a, a storyteller unparalleled. Yep. Really. A really interesting, fascinating guy who brought the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus to millions of people in a very particular, wonderful style. The passing of Carmen. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, tune in, and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. Lung cancer has claimed the life of conservative broadcaster Rush Limbaugh. For more than three decades, millions of people listened to Limbaugh's three-hour weekday show, which consistently was the top-rated radio talk show in the country. He was both popular and polarizing and a pivotal figure in Republican politics. Limbaugh was 70. Utility crews are working to restore electricity to more than 3 million people hit hard by this week's snow and ice storm. The extreme weather is responsible for at least two dozen deaths. The CDC says COVID-19 cases nationwide have now been declining for five weeks. But public health officials remind Americans that the pandemic remains serious and there are still more cases now than during last summer's peak. Wall Street was mixed, the Dow up 90 points, the Nasdaq down by 82. This is SRN News. Attention all taxpayers. In the midst of the social, economic, and financial crisis facing many Americans, there is some great news for struggling taxpayers unable to pay their back taxes or with unfiled tax returns. Special programs with the IRS may expedite the resolution of your tax problem and may even reduce what you owe by thousands of dollars, even forgiven entirely. If you are facing liens, levies, audits, wage garnishments, or property seizures, you need this timely relief. Community Tax has resolved over $800 million for tens of thousands of struggling taxpayers and businesses for over a decade. Top rated by the Better Business Bureau and Consumer Affairs with thousands of five-star reviews. Community Tax knows how to resolve your tax problem with the most savings possible. For a free consultation and to see what you qualify for, call 800-555-88. That's 800-555-88. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. 
Christ Church at Grove Farm invites you to join us on Wednesday evenings this Lenten season. We have gathered a powerful lineup of some of Pittsburgh's most prominent pastors to lead us through an evening of praise, prayer, and a focus on the Psalms as we seek God in the weeks leading to Easter. We kick off our Men of Steel series on Ash Wednesday with John Guest, and following that you will hear from Jay Passivant, Bishop Joseph Garlington, Rock Dilliman, John Nuzo, and Ed Glover. For more information on our in-person or online worship, head to our website, ccgf.org slash Lent. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Cloudy tonight with snow developing late, leading to slippery roads by morning, low 22. Snow tomorrow accumulating a total of 3 to 6 inches. Some sleet and freezing rain can mix in late in the day, especially south of the city, high 28. Cloudy and cold on Friday with snow at times, high 30. Saturday, cloudy and very cold, high 24. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along to the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, Word FM. John Hall and Kathy Emmons. During our 4 o'clock hour, our, one of our guests, Thomas Kidd, who's a historian at Baylor University, we were talking about Christian patriotism. And, you know, if you read you know, the web or newspapers, at least once a day, you come up with a story and you go, yeah, that's why I want to live in America. That's why America is fabulous. That's why, you know, it's just a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Uh, why I'm patriotic and love the country. Here's a story that will make you, make you raise an eyebrow. In North Korea, a man was wearing a full wetsuit and flippers. He crossed the Eastern Maritime border into South Korea this week. The South Korean soldiers failed to detect him until the man wearing the full wetsuit with the flippers was walking down a road of the heavily guarded frontier. Now, uh, what happened was this man apparently swam two and a half miles from North Korea into South Korea, where he shimmied down a drain pipe into his final entrance into South Korea, got up got on this dirt road that separated north and south where he was detected by first video cameras, then drones at 4 a.m. Two and a half hours went by until he was intercepted by South Korean soldiers and brought to some henceforth unknown location. 
Now, in the article that I'm reading from in today's New York Times, uh, the author, a man named uh, Chao Seng Hun, says that um, his motives are still as yet unknown. <laughs> what do you think his motives? Like, let's talk about what his motives could be. I mean, he's wearing scuba gear. He's wearing scuba gear. And he's gear. on land. And he is leaving one of the most brutal, uh, brutal dictatorships, that right. would be North Korea, and coming into freedom, probably for the first time in the adventuresome, determined man's life. So, uh, God bless him. They say that uh, this article, defections along the demilitarized zone are relatively rare and dangerous. Uh, in 2017, a North Korean soldier dashed from north to south, eluding gunfire, but did make it across safely. And, he did um, or didn't? He did. Okay. Yeah. More than 33,000 people from North Korea have defected to South Korea since famine struck the country in the late 1980s. Most have done so through China, which borders the north. And uh, these instances of uh, rare bravery or desperation are, as the article says, rare. Can you imagine? No. Where do you get scuba gear, I wonder? I don't know. I mean, and how do you, so you can't have planned that out you because you wouldn't have been able to know about the drain pipe, right? I don't know. I mean, if you, how would you know to, that you're going to swim? Uh, first of all, when you're swimming, I'm not sure what kind of open water we're talking about, but if you've been swimming in any open water, it's the most confusing, disorienting experience. Yeah. So you have no idea where you're going. So how some dude. Well, maybe he was in the North Korean army and he was, you know, a frogman in the army or something. And otherwise, how do you get, how do you get the basic equipment? Right. Okay. So you're just, you're just postulating that you don't know that. I have no idea. I mean, mean, that's the craziest story. God bless that man. Mm -hmm. What people do to get out of where they are. To be free. To to be free. Which of course we take for granted here in the United States. You know, we denigrate it. We rip on it, uh, you know, point our finger and tear it down. People are like trying to, you know, lose their minds because they want to be free for a day. They want to flourish. They want to have their God-given inalienable right, you know, to be creatures in this world and do their best, whatever they choose to do. Remember when Barbara Streisand was going to leave because when was that when George W. Bush got reelected? She didn't leave. No, of course not. She's in Beverly Hills. She's free right. in Beverly Hills. Right, and she had to have her. She had to have her dog cloned. So. I mean, who doesn't want to be free in Beverly Hills? You can't right? get I mean, your dog. You can't get your dog cloned in North Korea. <laughs> no, you can't. You cannot. Anyway, uh, this next subject is of particular interest to me. Prophecies. Mm-hmm. Who are the prophets? Right. The biblical prophets. What does that look like today in the modern world? Is there any? Is it the same? Well, I don't think it's the same, but maybe it. I don't know. Craig Keener is going to be with this professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. That's next prophecy, and then we're going to throw some politics in just for the mix. That's ahead. The ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. 1 Corinthians 13 gives a biblical definition of love, but it's not enough to simply memorize these words. They call for action. Join us as we conclude our series, Love in the Local Church, and hear a special message on God's patience, Monday through Friday, on Truth for Life 
with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-523-3030. It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. There was, over the course of the last year or so, plenty of prophecies about politics, about mm-hmm. the president, and whether or not the president would, President Trump, I should say, uh, would take a second term. I mean, a lot of people you know, were invested in this from a Christian perspective. Now, of course, uh, for people who are like going, I've heard from God and God has prophesied to me that President Trump will ascend to a second term. Well, of course, that's wrong. That did not happen. Despite the best hopes and leanings of a lot of people, it just did not happen. Now, since that time, you know, especially since you know, the inauguration of President Biden, some Christian prophets have come out and said, basically, my bad, Sorry. Others have still had held fast and said, no, 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 you know, there is still more to this story. So that's why we're happy to welcome to the Word FM Airwaves, Craig Kinnear. 
Craig is professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary, the author of Christobiography, Memories, History, and the Relatability of the Gospels, which won a 2020 CT Christianity Today Book Award. But he wrote a piece which really caught our attention, When Political Prophecies Don't Come to Pass. Craig, welcome to the show. It's it's great to be with you, John. Yeah, thanks for being with us to talk about a, a topic I think is really um, important. Um, so let's go back and get the, the scriptural foundation for the an understanding of prophecy. Um, so, you know, we know the Old Testament prophets. We're thinking of, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah, if we're talking about the major prophets or, you know, Habakkuk or Zephaniah or, you know, Malachi, the, the minor prophets. Um, what do we, um, what can they tell us and how does that fit into what then the Apostle Paul talks about? with prophecy in the uh, New Testament churches? In the, I guess maybe a way to make a transition from the Old Testament uh, of prophecy to New Testament prophecy is to think of what Joel says, uh, that, that Peter actually quotes. Um, Joel, well, the way Peter quotes it, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will mm-hmm. prophesy. So, you know, there's no idea that it's going to cease in the New Testament period. Rather, it's going to be proliferated all the more. Um, but there were a lot of different kinds of prophecy in the Old Testament, and sometimes the term is used more generally than others. Uh, in the book of Acts, you have some people who are specifically called prophets, but it looks like also there's a sense in which all believers are prophetically empowered to speak the in the book of Acts, the word of the Lord is is the gospel, the, the good news of Christ. Now, in in Paul's letters, he a couple times deals with, well, actually more than a couple, uh, Romans 12, he lists prophecy among the gifts. He lists it in Ephesians 4, he lists it in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. He only emphasizes it in chapter 14. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says not to despise prophecies in 1 Corinthians 14, he, he says to be eager to prophesy, but he also gives some warnings in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, and again in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says to test the prophecies. Mm-hmm. And Craig, Craig before, well, you, before you go on, yeah. I, need to, I need to stop you and just ask you in a general way, because my guess is there are people who are listening to us who are not believers at all, but they hear uh-huh. the word prophet and it might mean one thing to them, but biblically, oh, yeah. it means something else. So can you go and give us a clear, what you consider a clear definition of what a prophet is, what a prophet does? Sure. But prophecy in biblical terms is hearing a message from God that God wants you to share with somebody else. So it's sometimes uh, generically outside of the Bible, we think of it in terms of of prediction, predicting the future, um, and it's really not limited to that in Scripture. It, I mean, it, it can include that if that's what God is saying, but it's it's very different from being a futurist or, you know, just trying to make predictions about the future. Okay. So then God is in the middle. This is a word from God that people believe earnestly that they have heard from God and God has placed them on their heart to communicate perhaps to a, a wider group of people, right? That's fair to say. Yes, if it's, if, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, I mean, there are people who take advantage of 
people trusting them who who may not genuinely believe what they're saying. But yeah, normally that's what it's supposed to be. Okay. All right, great. So you, you've, you've let us in on, um, I think, a good through line between the Old Testament prophets, um, you know, Paul's discussion of New Testament prophecy, thinking that this was going to be a thing that would continue. So then let's take us to today. Um, as John said at the start of our segment, it was fascinating to watch people um, kind of come out of the woodwork on social media, at least, and talk about political prophecies in an election year. Now, from your perspective, uh, being familiar with this uh, kind of this section or this subsection of Christian living. Um, how did you take that? Well, with a lot of them, I was skeptical. There were there were a few of them who had a pretty good track record. And so I was, I took them more seriously and said, well, we'll wait and see. I, I had some skepticism. I felt something different in my own heart was going to be the outcome, but I'm not a I'm not a big nature prophet, so you know, just um, yeah. yeah. I so I just yeah. For some, I waited to see, and what we saw was not what they said. <laughs> right. Okay. So then, Craig, what was the what was the aim of a prophet? You know, so someone like okay, talk about Pat Robertson, right? I mean, Pat Robinson, uh-huh. Robertson, he prophesied, did he not? Yes. Yeah, I was disappointed with that. I, I mean, n- n- not that he would he would prophesy, but I was disappointed that. But I mean, you could tell he really believed it because up until you know, after the election, he was still. And, and finally, he said, "No, this is not going to happen." I'm, I'm grateful that he did say that. And then a number of others have have come out and, and apologized and said we got it wrong, and we're taking this really seriously. We're going to take time to pray and fast and see where we got it wrong and try to learn lessons from it. And uh, some of them have been talking about the lessons that they learned. But the people, you know, on the Internet, um, your view share has something to do with your audience, with how many people want to hear what you have to say. And that has something to do probably with what they were saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then it, Pat Robertson was saying, you know, I, I, I prophesy the, the, the president will have a second term. Now that yes. did not come to pass. So, you know, right. um, whether it's Pat Robertson or a, any number of men and women who call themselves modern day prophets, disappointed with the outcome, it did not come to pass, but you know, what, what but I But that's take, different. Being disappointed in the outcome is different than saying this is what God said would happen and then it not happening. But th- what yeah. my point is, though, this is a fairly, and you talk about this, Craig, that this is uh, amongst prophets fairly common, right? I mean, prophets are not necessarily, you know, uh, embedded with looking at the, the gigantic picture. More often than not, you write, you say this, the prophets have a tiny piece of the puzzle yeah. and it's okay to speak out about that because that's what the, that's what you feel that God has laid on your heart, whether it's the whole picture or not. Yes, yeah. First Corinthians thirteen nine, Paul says we we know in part and we prophesy in part, and I think the first part of that covers us teachers of, of Scripture, and the second part covers those who feel like they have a, a something that the Lord is laying on their heart, but. When it talks about testing, also like in First Corinthians 14, it was on the local 
congregational level. So mm. it's it's best for those things to be tested on the local level before you start, you know, go out to a, a big platform. I mean, some people already have a big platform, but um, it's it's really important to be careful because it, you know, there were a lot of people who were following it, and yeah, um, a lot of people, I think, got disillusioned by it. Right. And, and, and that, of course, is what would happen in any time period, right? It's not that it's just contemporary America. I mean, if someone is speaking for God and says something and that ends up not happening, then everyone around them is, is doubting, right? So, so what should be, I mean, there, I have read several people who made prophecies who actually came out, as John said at the start of the segment, and just flat out apologized, said, I just don't know how I got it this wrong. That's I, you know, I, yeah, that's very powerful to me. But for people who don't yeah. do that, I just I, I disregard them, Craig. Am I wrong on that? Yeah. No, I think I think you're right because I mean we need to take it very seriously. Something that yeah. that shakes people up like that, and yeah. I mean, if you're saying God yeah. said this to me, God told me this, right? Yeah. You, all of a sudden, you're speaking on behalf of God in some way. That is really dangerous, dicey territory, especially after the fact. If it, it is not real or does not come true, then you better make some statement or some, yeah. right, yeah. lie bad or something, because like you said, you've got an audience here. So what then, Craig, what is the difference between you know, I'm watching football on Sunday, you know, afternoon. And of course, before they, you know, go into the game itself, what's your, what's your guess on the game, right? Oh, you know, the Steelers are going to beat the Browns. I mean, some guy making a guess about a football game as opposed to somebody prophesying outside the Christian bubble, people would equate one with the other and say, they're Mm -hmm. pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, When when people use, prophecy that way uh it is it is very uh yeah it it, it it disillusions people disappoints people and you know i've had people who prophesy on the on the smaller level who get so many details right um and you know there's they're speaking from god's heart but that's what prophecy is, is about it's about speaking god's heart it's about turning us to the mm-hmm. things that god cares about and some of the political prophecies seem to have been more about, uh, you know, look at me, I can predict the future, or, um, you know, we believe this is this is going to happen because maybe there's some political bias there, or um, maybe maybe they're getting the news only from one source and and they're trying to predict it. Or some of them, I think there was peer pressure from others who. Who claims to prophesy? Uh, I think we lost him. Craig, and, uh, sorry, think we lost. Oh, look, like, like anybody, I I want prophets to be true. Of course, I, yeah. I you know if someone hears from God. I want to know that. I would please tell me this. Yep. yep. All right, Craig. Oh, Listen, thanks yeah. for being with us. Uh, yeah, that's great. Conversation. Yeah, this requires a little uh, a deeper dig and. Uh, some yeah. prayerful consideration of what it is to be yeah. a prophet. Uh, Craig Kinnear yeah. and political prophecies don't come to pass. Let's step away. Take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to uh, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, Word FM. Back in a few.
For 30 years, the Original Mattress Factory has championed the power of shopping local. Our approach to manufacturing and retail means that every mattress sold in your community is also hand-built in your community. Now more than ever, small businesses need your support. Restaurants, retailers, service providers, and manufacturers are at the heart of every community. And we would like to encourage you to choose local whenever you can. Visit an Original Mattress Factory location near you today. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Chris, you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2. There's your comic book collection, the race car bed. I'm young at heart, but I put money into my 401k every paycheck. I'm taking control over my financial life, and that feels pretty grown-up to me. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Are those footy pajamas? This message is brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. We are, of course, living through times of deep division and turmoil, which makes you think about your college student or soon-to-be college student. What do they anticipate walking into on campus? At Grove City College, the historical tradition is forming young minds as agents of peace in a Christ-like tradition. It's central to the core of who Grove City is as they take your sons and daughters and mold them into young, believing Christians. What does that look like? How does that work in a young person's life? Look, it's not an easy task. Uh, Look at all the pressures that there are in the culture around us. Look at the difficulties we have in our own lives and all the distractions of technology and concern for the future. And so when you think about people who are at the formative age, you know, between 18 and 22, making decisions, not just about what to study and to pursue career-wise, but who they are, you want to look for a place that's going to form character, that's going to not just be concerned about the ABCs, though those are very important, um, but how it is that a person grows and develops and matures as an individual that's able to take on and live through an era like this of both division and disease. To take a deep dive in what it is to be a citizen of Christ in these difficult times, look online at Grove City College. That's gcc.edu, Grove City College. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Cloudy tonight with snow developing late, leading to slippery roads by morning, low 22. Snow tomorrow accumulating a total of 3 to 6 inches. Some sleet and freezing rain can mix in late in the day, especially south of the city, high 28. Cloudy and cold on Friday with snow at times, high 30. Saturday, cloudy and very cold, high 24. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Powdered drink mixes. Okay, I want to take you from the instant iced tea. I'm going to take you to the Kool-Aid. I'm going to take you to the dry milk. 
and I'm going to maybe even end up at the Rich Chocolate Oval team. It's a panoply. I don't even know if there's one answer to this question, I don't think but so. I am thinking about powder drink mixes. Okay, so here's a, as a kid, yeah, with a tear off the top of the Kool Aid, lick your finger, stick it in the little bag, yes. put it in your mouth. Yep, it's like a filet mignon. <laughs> sure, That's for like a high living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The powdered milk, which I I'm not too proud to say, as a kid, sometimes we delved into the old powdered milk box. Sure. Always made me feel bad. I don't know why. Because I always thought that I was like part of a John Steinbeck film or a book. The other powdered stuff, the Nestle Quick, oh, yeah. times 10. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not strawberry quick. Mm-hmm. Ovaltine, eh, that's your thing. I think powdered drinks, they, they have their place. I am pro powdered drinks. Okay. Makes sense. Well, it's strange to me because I'm going. I'm going to make a delineation here. Uh oh. Because I believe that powdered drinks that are added to milk are outstanding. I am a believer. I'm a, I'm a frequent imbiber mm. of the Rich Chocolate Ovaltine. You know yep. that. You know how deeply I. Yeah, it's in your DNA. Even the Nesquik, which I don't know, I don't buy, but right. I, it, it's delicious. Sure, sure. So I think it's okay. It's when you mix things with water that I start to think that doesn't make sense. However, you've been to third world countries. I, that's what and I was you thinking. You see the powdered about. milk show up. You powdered, go, listen, hey man, powdered on milk. Me. Powdered milk, milk is, is like your, the answer to your prayers in third yeah. world countries. So I, this is the first time I'm going to say with milk, yes, with water, no. Okay. But in other circumstances, maybe. All right, good. <laughs> Clear as mud. Clear as mud. Okay, I already know the answer to this, so I'm not, I, and I bet you you do too. Oh. Does this make sense? Get in your car today, which looks like the outside of an ice cube. Yeah. You sit down and your little bum sticks to the seats. And then you turn that baby on. And if you're so fortunate, you press the seat button. And in about 30 seconds, those seats start to get warmed up. That's the Are good. heated seats. Do heated seats yes. make sense? Yes. I don't even need to let you finish the sentence. That's how great there. I don't have any heated seats in any of my cars. You don't? No. But I love the idea deeply and and long for it myself. Yeah, that's like the best ride at Kennywood, the heated seat. I got that. 101.5 WORD. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music is here on the weekend. With the best new music. New New music. Another in the fire. New music from Hillsong United. There is another. Devil is a Liar by Colton Dixon. And Child of Love from We the Kingdom. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend. The IRS doesn't mess around. If they want your money, they'll take it. They can take your paycheck and bank accounts too. Even threaten your home or business. Don't take on the IRS alone. If you owe back taxes, the smartest thing you can do is call Optima Tax Relief. The experts at Optima specialize in a powerful IRS tax assistance program called the Fresh Start Initiative. And their clients that qualify are saving thousands 
even tens of thousands. One call starts the process to stop the demand letters, stop aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS from targeting you. But don't delay. It's important to act now while you still have options. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Optima has already resolved over a billion dollars of tax debt for their clients. Get your life back. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for your free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Some home repairs simply can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, or composite. To show their appreciation to word listeners, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this station. Get 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off, backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Christchurch at Grove Farm invites you to join us on Wednesday evenings this Lenten season. We have gathered a powerful lineup of some of Pittsburgh's most prominent pastors to lead us through an evening of praise, prayer, and a focus on the Psalms as we seek God in the weeks leading to Easter. We kick off our Men of Steel series on Ash Wednesday with John Guest, and following that, you will hear from Jay Passivant, Bishop Joseph Garlington, Rock Dilliman, John Nuzo, and Ed Glover. For more information on our in-person or online worship, head to our website, ccgf.org slash Lent. When you were a high school student, did you take any classes uh, on Shakespeare? Sure. Did you sit in the classroom and read Shakespeare? Sure. Yeah, we did. Uh, the first one I did was uh, Merchant of Venice. Oh, you did. And uh, after the Merchant of Venice, I did Hamlet. Mm, really? And then in college, I did Othello. Oh, okay. And so classes. Ro- and Romeo and Juliet. Whoa. And of course, Much Ado About Nothing. Holy smokes. Yeah. All right. You did. I mean, look how much Shakespeare you did. Well, in high school, I took a class, a required class in Shakespeare. I absolutely despised it. Well, you did? It was horrible. Wow, the that's worst. interesting. That's it was the worst. I couldn't make heads or tails. Believe me, I was one of those guys, you know, at 10 o'clock running down to the Revco to get uh, the little Cliff Notes version of the stories because I didn't know what was going on. Is that right? Yes. It wasn't until later on when I went into theater school and you started to read out loud Shakespeare. Right. Which is, what should, have, which is what should have been done from the beginning. And you were compelled, of course, to get up on your feet and work with other people in those readings and then understand the language of Shakespeare, right? The verse, the mystery of what the heck are these guys talking about? What is what's going on here? All of a sudden, it was like somebody stuck a key in the ignition, and boom, you're off to the races. Then you get it, and then of course you go further. Then you start to perform Shakespeare. You're in rehearsal for six, eight, ten weeks or more, and then you perform for six, eight, ten weeks or more. 
then you really dig down into the complexity and the beauty and the universality of what Shakespeare is. Now, apparently that's not good enough because in high schools, and that's a whole, so I come at it from two different ways. High school, abhorrent. Later on in life, embraced it and loved it. Now, later on in life, you were working as an actor. Right. So it wasn't like, wasn't like that was your hobby, right? That was, that was what you were pursuing for your career. Right. So like, so I would say probably sophomore year of college. It clicked in. Yeah. When I first went, okay. But listen to this. So apparently this is uh, from today's New York post, an increasing number of teachers are refusing to include the bard uh, into uh, their classroom. And why using is that? his classic works of using Shakespeare of promoting misogyny, racism, homophobia, classism, anti-Semitism, and misogynoir, which I, I don't know what that what that is. Here, here, a slew of English teachers told the School Library Journal, School Library Journal has been around for decades, how they were ditching the likes of Hamlet, Macbeth, and Romeo and Juliet to instead make room for modern, diverse and inclusive voices. Now, I have no problem with that. You want to include modern and diverse and inclusive voices? You go for it. Please do. But how can you abandon Shakespeare? Uh, Shakespeare was a tool used to civilize uh, England's empire, says Arianne Thompson, a professor of English at Arizona State University. Teachers also need to challenge the whiteness of the assumption that Shakespeare's works are universal insisted Jeffrey Austin, who was head of Michigan's high school English literature department. Eliminating Shakespeare. But he's he's the head of the high school English department. Okay. So it's just, it's not like he's a worldwide Shakespeare authority. Let's just get that. He says this, eliminating Shakespeare was a step that I could easily take to work toward and it proved worthwhile for my students. Other teachers said they were sticking with Shakespeare, but reframing his works through a more modern lens. Believe me, Shakespeare can stand up under any circumstance. That's a genius of Shakespeare. Sarah Mullum, an English teacher at High Technology School in Lincroft, New Jersey, said she was teaching Romeo and Juliet with a study of toxic masculinity analysis. Um, people Honestly. are saying that the, gen- the bard was a genius wordsmith responsible for masterful wordplay, creative use of language, biting wit, puns, and innovative characters. No kidding. That's only what people have thought for you know hundreds and hundreds of years. Listen. It's fine. It's an expansion on that where hack, we are. No, no, no. It's not fine. No. No, no. That hacks me off. I'm off to the races. You can teach what you want to teach, right? No, no. Yeah, of course you can teach, you teach what you want to teach. But let's just recognize again that people who lived in different time periods are not subject to the same mores and the same things that we understand as appropriate today. Amen and amen and amen. Of course, a hundred percent. So we don't have to hold up <clears throat> Shakespeare through. We don't have to look at Shakespeare through a twenty twenty one lens and find him wanting, because you know what that does? That makes us look really simple. Because Which... what we're saying is that where we are in contemporary culture is the apex of understanding of all of humanity. That's what we're saying, right? So if we're looking at someone like Shakespeare and we're saying he doesn't measure up, then we're saying that we are the arbiters of what measures up. And what we have decided is the greatest morality, the highest ethic that there has, and and the greatest understanding that there's ever been on earth. In the history of mankind. Ever. Through our prism, all things are correct. Right. I mean, how simple, how 
brutally arrogant is that as a position? But that's really what they're saying. I mean, now listen. You Shakespeare has been interpreted, John, how many ways through how many modern lenses? Oh I mean, my gosh! Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I did uh, said, Two Gentlemen of Verona in a 1920s flapper production, you which did was that? fabulous. Yeah, it was great. Wow, yeah. that sounds very exciting. It really held up. I mean, sure. any any which way you want to push Shakespeare, it holds sure. the container very well. It is the container that you know holds things really, really great. I mean, you sure. can just twist it, shape it, twirl it, spin it, whatever you want to do. It it works. So does that mean that script that Shakespeare is holy scripture? No. No. Does that mean that Shakespeare was a perfect man with perfect understanding? No. no. I mean, he was a product of his time. Like we are all a product of our time. So when we read his work, we see it hopefully through the lens of what his society was like. And so are there issues of misogyny? I'm sure there are. Are there issues of misogynoir? which John is a, is, is something that, that uh, women of color would be subjected to. So it would be a hatred of women and it'd be a hatred of, uh, of dark skinned women in particular. I see. Okay. okay. So it's like a, kind of like a double whammy uh, type of thing. Is there, I'm sure that that. Yes. I, I'm not a Shakespeare authority. I can't say we where should that speak of it. We should exists. talk about it. Sure. Right. Why not? But what? And, and you should use Shakespeare and you could say, boy, can you believe he really looked at women this way? Or can you believe he really thought about economics this way? I mean, that doesn't mean that you throw him out. What? Oh. I mean, that's just crazy. I can't believe. Is there any, I don't know any other label that you could assign to that other than like un- Believable arrogance. So the interesting thing is perhaps those who um, who have not read Shakespeare or any of the classics now because of the new societal wokeness would be inclined to read it first with a critical mm, eye. Sure. And then who knows, Miracle of Miracles may fall in love with the language and the story and all that right. down the road after they stab it for a little bit and poke it and see right. if it you know is still there. Listen, I can't believe anybody who is who has any amount of gravitas in literature is going to look at things that way, because if you you I mean, literature is a vast spectrum. And when you're reading Russian lit or you're reading English lit or you're reading African lit or you're reading American lit, one of the things that you're reading it for is to get a glimpse of what that time period in that geographical place was like. That's why you're reading it. Right. You're not so so if we take those things and we scrub them of all of their cultural context so that it is acceptable for the elite in 2020, we've wrecked the literature. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> it's just the world that we live in today. It's okay. So and you this brought that up pass. and you knew you were yeah, gonna get me mad. Right. Sorry. Can I okay. bring yeah, up another thing that's gonna make you mad? No, don't let let's let's try to avoid the angst. Okay. You got nothing? Well, no, because I'm prepared to talk about something that's angsty. All right, go ahead. (laughs) The Washington National Cathedral, John, I'm reading from ChristianPost.com, has come under fire for hosting Max Lucado. Don't you find Max difficult devices? A prominent author and pastor who holds biblical Christian views on marriage as a guest preacher. Max Lucado was invited by the Episcopal Church's Cathedral Church of St. Peter and Paul in the city and the Diocese of Washington to preach at a virtual service on Sunday. But a backlash among members of the Episcopal Church, a denomination known for politically liberal views on marriage and sexuality issues, quickly 
followed. Wait, so Max Lucado was invited. He he's not even going to set inside no. the National Cathedral. Nope. But he's not worthy to be on a Zoom nope. call. He is not. No, he's he's off of Zoom because critics have cited his previous written opinions about same sex marriage as a cause for concern in a petition asking Dean Randy Hollerith to rescind Max Lucado's invitation to preach. Now, Max Lucado is not an Episcopalian. He serves as pastor of Oak Hills Church, which is a non-denominational church in San Antonio, Texas. This is the quote. Lucado's teachings and preaching inflicts active harm on LGBTQ people, the petition contended. To cite one example, in 2004, he wrote of his fears that homosexuality would lead to legalized incest and likened same-sex marriage to incest and bestiality. Anyway. The petition went as far as to accuse Max Lucado of causing serious harm. Ultimately, leaders at the cathedral did let Max Lucado speak. Um, Listen to this. Hollerith responded to the petition, and this is what he said. Quote, when we only engage with those whom we agree on every issue, we find ourselves in a dangerous and lonely place. My hope is that all churches and faith communities will find ways to open their doors to perspectives different from their own. Who is Hollerith and can he be my friend? Okay, good. I don't know anything about the man, but that is the most sensible thing I've read today. Can you believe how awesome that is? Max Licato did preach at the National Cathedral. He did because the dean is a reasonable person and said, wait a minute. So are we only all going to hear from only people who tell us what we want to hear? That would be what he says, a dangerous and lonely place. Okay, so how do It's the National Cathedral. It's a big nation. People think a lot of different things. Right. How do you, how do we, is there an opportunity to get past this? Because it doesn't feel as though there is perhaps that we've entered into a new phase. This is an opportunity to get past it, which is exactly what Dean Hollerith did. He got past it. He heard the petition, he read what they said, he took their contention seriously, and he said, you know what, I hear you, I understand what you're saying, but let me just say that if we only engage with those whom we agree on every issue, we find ourselves in a dangerous and lonely place. So he did the right thing. And I think it's a tremendous vote of, I feel super optimistic about it, I'm really thankful for this man, and I think... I'm glad it came up. I mean, and people are allowed to make a petition and say that they don't like Max Lucado. No, I have no problem with that. Don't you get sick of it though? Yes, Seriously. I do get sick we of it. But a... they have a right, they have a right to do it. It's a free society. They have their perspective. I just appreciate the dean coming down and saying, no, I'm still going to advocate that we hear from people who have different perspectives. But I feel oftentimes that as you know, a conservative Christian, you gotta bend over backwards to, you know, make sure that you check the appropriate boxes right, before that. you can speak your mind, yeah. which is crazy. Well, I know. I think that every day when I go on the air, for sure. It's always the temptation. But Max Lucado, um, did apparently didn't change anything he was planning on saying and Dean Hollerith backed him up, which is exactly what he should have done. So I think it's a story with a very happy ending. It's a surprising ending. Cause when I saw, I saw, you know, the, the first headline, I thought, Oh, so it's just another person who's been canceled and we're just going to nod our head and just, you know, just surrender to the wokeness, which we're surrounded by. Okay. Let me, let, can I tell you something else the Dean said? Yeah. I forgot about this quote. This is so good. We have to come out of our corners, find common ground where we can, and find ways to live with and see each other as the beloved children of God we are. 
we have all grown too accustomed in our silos and echo chambers. In order to start the process of rebuilding, we need to hear from each other. We can disagree without hating each other. That's so awesome. Right? Can't we? We can disagree. And especially in our disagreements about what we say is biblical truth. Mm-hmm. As believers, if we as believers can't do that, then the world itself, the secular world, well, forget about it. I mean, how can we expect there to be common ground, you know, politically or whatever, wherever you want to go? If we can't yep, do you're that. You're right about that. That's a very good point. So if Christians can't, you know, there are a lot of Christians who are not able to look at things as reasonably as Dean Hollerith has from the National Cathedral. But he did. And I give him a lot of credit for that difficult decision with a lot of media scrutiny. And um, he came down on the right side of that. So the National Cathedral. So um, Episcopalians, then, are you saying they're the ones who are sort of like the, the primary caretakers? Is that, uh, yes, is that yeah, fair... it's in the Episcopal Diocese. It is the Episcopal Diocese. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then, uh, then, you know, you can take it for whatever it is. If, you know, if you, inside, you know, inside poker, right? Episcopalians and Anglicans are two separate entities, one liberal, one conservative, right? And so, right. oh, heaven help us, seriously. Um, I don't know. In the midst of a pandemic where it feels as though no we're so separate from each other and just so, dare I say the word, intolerant. And, and not to, I'm, I'm looking for a kumbaya moment here, you know, because that's dangerous as I'll get out as well. Who wants to be milquetoast? But man, show some backbone here. Show some grace. Show some gravitas. Be like the dean. Please. Because life is short. And all of a sudden, you know, you're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years are over. And all you've done is piss and moan the entire time. Exactly. Here. Who wants that? You weren't, that? you know, a light of Christ to anybody, let alone to your family. All right. But I'm going to change the tone. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, the most popular pet names of the century. How about that for a switch? Fido? <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Fluffy? As long as no one's, you know, going to cancel out spot. That may happen. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. Mike Chappell here, serial entrepreneur. Doing payroll is no longer a headache for our customer, Jeff. I've used various payroll providers in the past, and none can hold a candle to Patriot Software. Their software is ridiculously easy to use. The support staff is knowledgeable and courteous. I am very excited that Patriot Software files my tax forms for me, not just providing the forms like other payroll companies do. As a business owner, managing payroll has been a long-time headache that I no longer struggle with thanks to Patriot Software. I definitely rate your company five out of five stars. Go to PatriotSoftware.com to get your payroll pricing for up to 100 employees. Use promo code RADIO and get two months of payroll processing free. That's PatriotSoftware.com. PatriotSoftware.com. Accounting and payroll. Keep your time and money. Let's call it the couch cushion dash. This is the moment when you need a tip for the pizza man, a few bucks for your kid's lunch, or you can't say no to the sweet eight-year-old and her thin mints. But you've got no cash and no other options but to tear apart the house, searching for hidden money. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And it's funny how we can usually find a way to scrounge together a few bucks hidden around our house. 
Shame on you if it's from your kids' piggy banks. For many Word FM listeners, though, there's enough money sitting inside your home to buy a swimming pool full of Thin Mints. Home values have gone up across the country the last few years, leaving many of us with a good chunk of equity tucked inside our homes that we could cash out to use for life. If you'd like us to help, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you'd have to pay before closing. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. The facts about abortion are startling. This is Dr. David Stevens of the Christian Medical Association. Too often tests, like amniocentesis, become a justification for taking life rather than helping the child. Did you know 9 out of 10 parents after learning an unborn child has Down syndrome abort their child? Killing the unwanted or imperfect is simply wrong. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. It's the President's Day sale at Matt. Firm. Save up to $500 when you get a king bed for a queen price from brands like Sealy and Sleepies. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 during the President's Day sale at Mattress Firm. You grew up in a household with kids, you know, you, you got pets. Our household, uh, my dogs, Cindy. Cindy, Spot. Mike. Cindy, that's John's dog. You Cindy. remember Cindy? Cindy's are Mike and my favorite of your dogs. I told you ahead. a story of Cindy. I'm not, I don't want to talk it's about that. Let's not talk about it. Cindy <laughs> coming down the street, the pride of the neighborhood in Swiss Vale. Not so weekly. No, Maybe different. That. Cindy, Spot, <laughs> Chip, Chip, my dog Chip. He was like my longest as a childhood dog, and uh, I, I left the house, and my mom was like at one point we're going to Florida. We're moving to Florida. You got to take this dog. I was like, okay. So I'm living in in Bloomfield and in this apartment, I come home one day on Bomb Boulevard. There's my old dog, probably like 14 years old, sitting outside of uh, Kogos. And I'm like, what? it was like seeing like your dad on the curb. I'm like, okay. what is, what is my dog sitting outside of Kogos? Like, you know, I was coming home for like a whole day of other things. And there he's sitting outside. I go up and I go, come here, come here, Chip. Comes over all happy. The guy comes out, he works there. He goes, that your dog? I go, yeah. He goes, he's been out here for days begging for treats. He's doing just fine. So. So what he, he what you, did you leave him? And he just no, said, to go- what the heck? Like, all of a sudden my dog became like a hobo or something. <laughs> And Bernie, my dog Bernie, which is a whole other story that involves me and Mike McAdams over there at the station. Now I got uh, I got uh, Ruby who's gone, and I got my Gus over here standing at the door, staring at the door, trying to get out in my spare room because he's got poor doggy Alzheimer's. Anyway, all those dogs, all those different names. Plus we had birds, Ringo and Turtles, Skippy and Nilu. Anyway, Americans naming their pets princess Mm. is as reliable as death and taxes, at least according to a survey of pet names 
from the oldest continually operating pet cemetery in the United States. Hmm. The place is uh, called Hartsdale Pet Cemetery. was founded in 1896. There are more than 80,000 pets buried in the cemetery. Wow. Oh so a, an organization called First Vet did a survey and found that uh, over these 80,000 animals, Princess is the number one name. Really? Uh-huh. The top cat name yeah. is Tiger, but Tiger. Princess overall for dogs and cats. And really? Mm-hmm. Now, strangely enough, you know, I do have Princess Charlotte, my cat. There you go. See? But we've never called her, we never call her Princess. I mean, mm-hmm. Princess is like, you know, her yeah. title. According to the survey, the most common name dog names in the 30s and 40s, Queenie and Tippy. Lady ruled in the 1960s, like Lady and the Tramp. Sure. Brandy wrote top in the 70s. 80s and the 90s were dominated by Max. Mm. Uh, to the you, did you have Max? You had, did no, you have Max? Max? No, okay. No. Anyway, your favorite pets. Princess, the all-time number one name. All right. Bit of a surprise. That's not a rant. That's just the end of the okay. show. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.